just finger gunned me right into the parking lot. I said, oh, okay. So this is how it's going to be. Chris has been shitting on Coco all, all year. God, this guy. I'm, look, I'm going to put him in double digit goals. He couldn't even get off the plane properly. He got hurt right yeah. off the but right yet, off the steps. But yet you're making love videos for Robbie Robinson. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Chris, the hair on the back. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 55, The Double Dime. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Daniel Granada, alongside me, Mr. KBD himself. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, baby. It's game time today. I mean, what are we talking about? And it's episode 55, one of my best favorite player point guards, Jason Williams, a.k.a. White, White Chocolate. Chocolate. Yes, sir. Yeah, which, I mean, happened to play for the Heat, but let's not talk about all that. Let's, let's, not, <laughs> let's not go there. Also, Woo Wednesday. It is Woo Wednesday. Yes. Ted Lasso Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday's Wednesday's starting to get good during the week, right? Especially because the better herons are on on the Wednesdays. That's why it's the best. (laughs) All right. So like we do every Wednesday, we're going to preview Saturday's game. We have somebody to come on. and But before we introduce our guest, I did want to touch on yesterday's game, right? We got to talk about yesterday's game. So I guess uh, Charleston Battery, USL team. We played them. We didn't look great. The only goal we scored was an own goal. I know that you were hyped for it. You were watching it. What did you think about yesterday's game? I, uh, I The same thing that the broadcasters thought, I thought the same thing. It was a bore fest. It was a bore right? fest. Like who, wants, who wants to watch that kind of soccer? Absolutely nobody. Not Don right? Garber, God I'll tell bl- you that. God bless the fans that sat in our seats and uh, – which I saw some yellow jerseys, so let's not even figure out how that happened. Yeah. Uh, but it was a brutal game. But a win's a win, I guess, in soccer, right? Yeah. I, I think the, the biggest thing that stood out yesterday was uh, Borgelin. Yes. Borgelin had uh, uh, a gimme, and he sailed it, right? A lot of people have high hopes for Borgelin. Yeah. And, and, I mean, he hasn't. I mean, since the first game, has he scored since the first game? I guess that the against Miami FC, he had that header. Yes, yeah. But I mean, we got to count that. You got to count that. Yeah, no, for sure. You got. I mean, Franco won't, but uh, we do. So <laughs> we, we count that. And um, I mean, he hasn't looked at, like we, we we would hope, but I mean, I think that you, was the highlight. That was the highlight. That and Negri I'm, finally being put on offense, like I've been asking for all year. Yes, and I, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what stood out to me. Other than that, was the fact that this kid, David Ruiz, that literally just came out of like a, a cereal box yeah just womb. straight out of the womb this guy showed some pretty nice promise some nice passes uh he was looking ahead and then Borgelin just you know he uh he dropped a deuce on a couple of them and 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 couldn't follow through with the with the goal so i mean it, it maybe it's just the inexperience that's kicking in but i'm hoping i don't see too much of that more often later on especially well, luckily- when the games matter Luckily, one we won, and two are riding technically a four-game winning streak, right? Two MLS wins, regular season, two USL Open Cup wins. But technically, it's still four wins in a row, and that's why nobody's going to kill Phil Neville for that performance yesterday because it's four wins in a row rather than the six-game losing streak we were riding back then. But I mean, all these, all these Facebook clowns, you can keep being Facebook clowns. I'll buy you guys all a mask because you guys are idiots. Okay. Well, not okay. all of whoa, you, whoa, but just whoa, a couple whoa, 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 of. Whoa, yeah, whoa, maybe I went whoa, a little too whoa, drastic yeah, there. Yeah, a little, but little bit. Like 10% of you Facebook fans are just absolutely obnoxious. All right. Okay. So 
moving on from yesterday, let's move on to the regular season, the big game this Saturday. We're playing against the New England Resolution, which are number one in the East. And I want to say just about everybody discounted them as a contender this year. And to talk about the New England Revolution, we have Tommy from 790 The Score joining us. Where you at, Tommy? There you are. Hello. What's going on, Tommy? What's up, boys? Good evening. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Well, the first thing that I want to say is thank you for not having one of those disgusting Boston accents. I well, appreciate I'm that. I'm from Boston, so I'm from uh, Exactly. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Because and, Providence, we're... And, and I'm actually, so 790 the score, uh, you can catch New England Soccer Weekly every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. We're actually down here in Providence. And Providence is more like Brooklyn than it is Boston. Mm, nice. Look at that. <laughs> well, somebody I, I, said, Sam yeah. Mitten's kicking in that you're the swollest member of the Revs press uh, core. So you're out there throwing bows against the press members. Oh, geez. I'm out here looking brolic. <laughs> <laughs> All Appreciate right. it. So uh, let, let's get straight into it. New England. I I didn't see it. They ended up by like tenth last year in, in the standings in the Eastern Conference. And from what I saw, all the experts, right? Because you, were, I mean, they're experts, but they don't know what they're talking about either. Nobody really had them any higher than maybe finishing eighth, maybe seventh. They started the season. And they're in first place. Yeah. What exactly is it that everybody was missing? we were missing that New England's got going for them right now. Uh, we were missing it up here too. I mean, I, okay. I am one of the people guilty that came into the season. Like, all right, this is probably a really boring team this year. They made a bunch of additions that are more Bruce's guys, uh, which is a continuation of what we saw last year with Josie, Omar and Sebastian. But the difference is, is that Bruce's guys are coming through and the record for that is in Bruce's favor over the you know, career that he's had here in New England, uh, then it goes against him than what happened in 2022. I think for the most part, 2022 was an anomaly because of Turner's injury at the beginning of the year. Then you lose Turner and Buxa. You don't have Tejon, and there's no – it always felt like it was going to be a transition year when everybody – not you know the the guys that they said that we're going to leave we're going to leave and it just didn't seem like they had the ability to replace at least Tejon and Buxa. You know, I think they they really got lucky with Georgia. I think you know I think it was a crapshoot to go out and and you know get this unproven young kid then you know he's come over here and set the league on fire but yeah. um to replace Tejon and Adam was really tough and they just you know, Bruce talks all the time about, yeah, it takes guys from international countries to get more adjusted to this league. And that might be true, but I felt like that they had the money to go out there and make an instant impact immediately because a lot of the key pieces are there for what you need to be a championship team. So I think they just took a risk with Barrero and Rioni. Barrero couldn't stay healthy throughout the entire season that he was part of the New England roster. So that hurt. Rioni came in late. He came in injured and he was given a grace period to get adjusted to MLS. And it was always, you know, in everybody's mind that um, Rioni was going to be the thing that the Revs, you know, was going to carry them in 2023. And the way the season ended and, you know, for the taste that you got of Rioni, 
it felt like, yeah, this is not a this is not the team that went down as the greatest MLS team ever in 2021. You know, it just feels like there's something missing. Gustavo Bo's getting older. It didn't feel like at the time that they had the answers in the midfield to support Matt Polster, which allows Gustavo to go up, play up higher and, you know, the Revs can play in an attacking way that is what got them to, you know, the top of the league in 2021. So, because it worked with Tommy and Matt when they had that two set system and it's, it's a little bit harder for Matt to work alone. And I think they've found that answer again with Latif Blessing. So yeah, it seems tricky. Yeah, exactly. So I think there was a lot of questions coming into the year because of the guys that were coming into this team were just more MLS guys that didn't really, you feel like make an impact, but um, you know, Dave Romney's, work definitely went underappreciated in Nashville because what he's done here in new England is really uh, a big part of the reason why you're seeing the first place start that you are. He's just so good. He's so calm back there. He's melded into this defense perfectly and they've needed him because Andrew was hurt to start the year. So instead of having to go to Omar, which has gone against this team uh, a lot last year, you can go to a veteran like Romney who understands how Bruce wants to play. And that's been a big difference maker uh, for the, for the first, uh, you know, 12, 11 games here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to mention because, because Hazel Lopez commented, who's a new England goalkeeper coach. New England is a goalkeeper's factory. Cause you mentioned Turner and now you guys have Petrovic. Uh, it, it seems like you guys got a, a, a pretty solid, I guess, goalkeepers coach out there, uh, like a, like a factory. Uh, you know, Kevin Hitchcock, and I, I learned this the other day. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I, I forget who I heard this from, but Kevin Hitchcock is a big part of the reason why you've seen a lot of the success with Matt Turner and uh, Georgie Petrovich. And he was actually brought into the club by Brad Friedel. And when Brad Friedel get fired, instead of leaving, uh, you know, Hitchcock stayed here in New England and he joined uh, Bruce Arena's staff. And yeah. it's a it's a real testament to how good of a coach that he is, that those two guys have been uh, really the top keepers in the league for the last, you know, three years now, four years now, yeah. arguably, when you combine Turner's 2019, 2020, 2021, uh, I think a lot of us are just not going to accept what happened in 2022. Uh, and you can blame U.S. soccer for that, in my opinion. Um, but then Georgia comes in and it's a seamless transition where, you know, it solidifies that back line. And, you know, you really are starting to see what the pieces are coming back together for what got you to the promised land in 2021. Now you yeah. just need that offensive production. And unfortunately, you're not getting that with Giacomo Rioni. Uh, you are getting that with Bobby Wood, uh, and and I think Bobby Wood is you know an underappreciated member of this roster. But to go back to you know the original question about who the goalkeeper coach is, it's Kevin Hitchcock, and it's you know he's he's definitely a big part of you know the success of you know what Turner and and Georgie have been. I was looking at the the last couple of lineups you guys have put out there. Do you guys have a revolving door at striker? Because sometimes I saw Bobby Wood was yeah. starting last week, Rioni was starting two three weeks ago. Somebody else two weeks ago. What's going on at striker? 
you play guess the injury every week with the new England. Ah, got it. So everybody's no healthy what's though. Gonna happen. You, I, if you're a bet, if you, I don't, do you guys, do you guys throw down some money on week to week on MLS? It's illegal in Florida. <laughs> oh, it's illegal still in Florida. Oh, I'm so sorry because in, in New England, you can do that. Oh, and, must be nice. uh, in between Rhode Island, New Hampshire, I don't know if Maine, you can do it. Uh, but Massachusetts this year, they legalize sports betting, online sports betting. And Bruce, has uh, kept everybody on their toes week to week with who is going to be in and out of this lineup. And if you're a betting person, uh, it's it's hard to place any money on the revs because you just don't know who's going to be in the lineup on any given game day. Uh, <laughs> the if they're, came out today, if they're all healthy, wouldn't it be Brioni? If they're all healthy, it should be Bo and Brioni. They should be playing in that two-striker set, which is what okay. they did with Books and Bo um, back in 2021. But uh, it's a revolving door because you never know who's injured and who's not. Um, and it's miserable if you're uh, a sports better. <laughs> so, and because and I only bring up the sports betting part of it because uh, Forbes magazine called out Bruce for for really? this. So yeah, back uh, I think it was at the beginning of the season. You know, Bruce omitting names out of uh, injury reports, and you go into game day and you find out, um, oh, Gustavo Bo is not here this week, or. Uh, Giacomo Vrioni. So we have a new game that we play here in New England. It's guess the absentee, and uh, <laughs> okay. and I and, and this week, you know, we'll, we'll see who they surprise us with because you never know. Nice. Right. Well, one person that we know is always going to be there is Carlos Gil, right? Yes. Oh, now yeah. MVP was twenty twenty one, was it? Twenty twenty one, yeah, yeah, twenty twenty one. So he's, he 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 is the constant. He's the the motor that makes everything run. How's he been looking this season, though? Uh, generally the same. I think okay. the thing about Carlos that I've noticed more of last year than you saw in 2021, and I think you've seen it at times this year, is that I think he can get lost in the game a little bit. You know, everybody, everybody always has something nice to say about Carlos, and yes, he is – does amazing things on the field. He has incredible vision. Nobody does a better job distributing the ball for this team, period. And, you know, there's not – every team in this league would kill to have him. I just think sometimes uh, Carlos looks for the foul from the refs because he does get hit a lot. I think it's okay. indisputable that he gets banged around a lot throughout the course of the 90 minutes. But uh, I think sometimes he plays too much to the referee or the whistle, and I think that – sometimes can be to the detriment of the offense. And I think it hasn't happened as much this year. It happened a lot more last year. But I think when he does it and he doesn't get those calls to go his way, I think his attitude shifts on the field. Uh, I think he loses focus a little bit. And I think that's, you know, kind of a downside to his game, if you could find one. You know, not many people talk about it because there's so much good to talk about with Carlos, and I get it. But, you know – if you're watching games week to week like us, I think the frustrating thing with Carlos from time to time, from time to time, is that I think he plays too much, uh, you know, looking for you know a foul, and you know, hey, listen, so I guess you got to do that if you're a creative player. But yeah, I think I mean, it starts that, to get to a point where your attitude is reflected because you're not getting those calls, and it's you know slowing down the offense as a whole. I think that's a problem. He's playing like Julius Randle, Chris. You heard that? Yeah, I know he's playing like Julius Randle. 
right. And, now you go ahead, Chris. And, and no, talk talking a little bit about that, right? When you're leaning towards the whistle, and and the best thing about playing at home is the home team typically gets the whistle blown uh, for their benefit for the most part. Now you guys have a record of two one and one over four road games, yeah. right? And historically here, or at least within the last year and change, we've been pretty strong at home, right? So uh, with the record that you guys have two, one and one, other than a couple wins, I mean, a bunch of wins that you guys are collecting, how do you see uh, the team faring against Miami this weekend? Uh, well, let's see. It's been a, uh, it's been interesting for the Revs uh, on the road in, in during the past, you know, it's one of those things where I think, I think the you Reds guys were our were our our get right game last year. That's where yes. Campana let off that that hat trick, and when we were we started rolling. The oh God, I, there's honestly last year was so miserable that I try to block out a lot of it because <laughs> you go from you're watching the best team in the league, and you're watching the future of the upcoming World Cup, and then you go to 2022. And it's just one bad loss week after, you know, one week after the other, after the other, after the other. So to be honest, I, I, for, I, I even forget, you know, that beat down from, from Miami. Yeah. But I, mm-hmm. I, I will say that, you know, the revs have been really solid on the road this year. I think you take out the LAFC game and but you guys got spanked, <laughs> which you had Carlos Hill injured at the time. Gustavo Bo is just getting back to America from Argentina. And, and I mean, this LAS team is going to be. It was a recipe for uh, a disaster. Yeah, it was just it, nothing was going right that week. And you were going up against the best team in the league in Los Angeles. It's not going to go well. So, so I, and nobody takes that game and, and puts that, you know, as where this team is a, as a road team. I thought you saw real grit. Yeah, I, th- I think the best win of the season just came this past weekend versus Toronto. I think they yeah. completely controlled that game. Toronto was completely taken out um, and it wasn't just couldn't get anything going, you know, offensively with Bernadeschi. And I thought it was a, a real testament to how locked down this defense has been with Romney and Farrell and, um, you know, Dewan and Brandon really have, uh, excelled this year as well you know just playing both sides of the field so i think you're 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 gonna get a really tough match this weekend i haven't seen too much of miami i would say that i did have michelle kaufman on from the miami herald on my podcast today new england soccer weekly which will drop this friday at noon uh, on our youtube page new england soccer weekly and uh you know she broke down what i think is going to be interesting for both sides because i think both sides you know could be tapping into their youth this weekend you know michelle talked about how miami's banged up right now and uh you know two of your young midfielders will be making the start this weekend uh more than likely i think you know the revs could see noel buck start this weekend um he had a great game this past weekend yeah he's been on fire recently i think again you you talk about what the biggest difference is from last year to this year, your youth and the fact that, you know, your MLS Bruce esque MLS signings have have done really well. You know, those two things have been a recipe for success this year. And Esteban Dito brings up here, the new England revolution is the MLS football club that does not intimidate and are overlooked, but somehow they play solid football 
in a quiet manner. So I I definitely agree with that. And that's Bruce Paul for you. That's exactly it's it's not it's nothing it's nothing fancy. You have a lot of guys that are not afraid to take guys on one on one. It's it's a very it's when it's done right. It's really it's fun a beautiful to watch. thing. It's really that, fun to watch. That's so New England. Bill Belichick, Bruce Arena. It's all just boring and coach speak. Ugh. Coach setup. It's very. Yeah, it's, it's, Let it's me not so tell you who's going to start. Ugh. Well, I mean, does the sun even come out of there? Losing because more people are freaking out and people have the most irrational takes sometimes. I mean, I don't know what you're going after the Miami uh, Facebook group, and and I don't know how they are on Twitter. <laughs> which Esteban Dito, which Esteban Dito to me represents, even though I don't think he's on there, but <laughs> but he had a good point there. Yes. But the but the revs hashtag and the revs uh, Twitter world is a is a whole different beast when the revs are losing. When they're winning, it's great. It's you know it's it's you know everybody's happy and it's kind of boring. And Bruce is not going to you know go in depth on things you know just because you know, let me get back to work. You know things are working. You know let me not talk to you media. Right, right, right. Uh, so, it's got to be a war zone after a loss. Exactly. You know, when, when things zone. were losing last year, Bruce would uh, have have uh, therapy sessions with us after games. <laughs> so it was almost better. So uh, you guys run out of 4-2-3-1? Uh, or, or is that something we can expect? Or do you think we're going to be looking at something different? I think you'll probably see a 4-2-3-1 this weekend. I think I don't, I, I, I don't see how Giacomo Vrioni personally starts right now. For, uh, you know, Bobby Wood gets the goal the other night. And, you know, one of my colleagues up here, Seth Maycomer from the Blazing Musket, which I implore everybody to go check out, uh, did a really good job breaking down. So New England. <laughs> I know. There's a musket in there. <laughs> I know. I know. Like how hey, 1776 look, look, No, I'm not taking away from any of the content. I'm just saying, like, man, it's so New England. It's I, It hurts. I get it. But yeah. I love those guys over there. Sam and No, no, I'm sure they're Seth great. And uh, so Seth did a really good job this week breaking down how Bobby Wood's pressure, you know, led to the opening goal the other night versus Toronto. And I think you want to keep that right now, especially on the road. I don't think you want to put Giacomo Rioni out there this weekend against an inner Miami team that, as you said at the top, has won four straight games. Uh, he hasn't done much to, I think, you know, outside of scoring against Montreal and Kansas City, which, eh. You know, he hasn't done anything to really blow you off the, you know, the television. Um, Bobby Wood's been the guy this year for for them up top. And I think he starts as your number nine this weekend. I think maybe you do see Noel Buck. It wouldn't sh shock me. He's gotten a lot of minutes, and I think he's earned it. Um, hopefully Latif Blessing's back in the lineup full time at this point because uh, now he's back from Ghana with his family. Uh, which was a big thing for him. He also had a laceration earlier this year, which required stitches, and it seems like that's all cleared up. So if he's all healthy to go, he should be starting. Uh, and then the question is, what do you do at left mid or left wing? And I think it could be Ima Boateng. Uh, it seems like that probably is the he option. He played last week, right? Yeah, he played, he played last, last week. week. You know, he's, he's – I think he's wildly underpaid um, because he's – done a great job at points this in in the past couple of years uh getting the revs back into games taking over leads like when you need a guy that's got to be a spark off the bench he's been that spark off the bench and reliable for three straight seasons now um so yeah he probably should start this weekend against inner and then uh back line's been consistent all year it's jones it's romney it's 
Farrell now, you know, even though that's an inconsistent uh-huh. part because of, you know, Henry Kessler's not in the lineup because of the uh, hamstring and surgery by. that he needed to get that's got him out for the next four months and then Brandon by. So, and then obviously Georgie. So you have some pretty solid bodies back there. It's, you know, a question of what do you do, you know, up top. And that's kind of the great unknown as we deal with week to week. I would say another well, name that you probably could watch out for this weekend too is Justin Rennix. Uh, who has scored against Miami down in Miami down there. Bruce has been high on him last couple of weeks. So we'll see. Speaking of up high, do you guys press high? I wish I played for the Rebs. I, I, I know you guys, I just, you, when you say you guys, uh, it's just, it's the right <laughs> throw. I'm not going to. Right, 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 right. Because somebody's going to watch this and go, oh, no. Because I'm, I'm, usually, I'm usually the very critical one. Like, right, people right, know right. me as like, I, but anyways. So it's, it's, it's funny. It's nothing. I'm sorry. It's side. That's not I'm one sorry. of you guys every now and then on my show. <laughs> it's okay. Um, they, your question is, do they play a more up uh, attacking style than anything else? Yeah, Like an they- aggressive pressing where they try to yeah. turn you over when the, the balls with the back. Cause the reason I say that is because that might've affected us in the past when we were trying to build up out of the back. Sure. But we're not really playing exactly that style like, anymore. That's playing the long ball that- now. That's something that might again. I'll go back to what my colleague Seth Maycomer pointed out on his his videos, is that the Rebs have done a really good job, especially last week against Toronto, um, not allowing teams to just build out of the back. You know, with simple you know passes, it, yeah. it's a, a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, guys are running hard for ninety minutes. It's not he's not going to just come down there and sit back. Like they're gonna they're gonna press high. They're gonna try to you know, force turnovers in the defensive end. And they're going to, I mean, you know, Jones and Bayer are going to be part of the attack very frequently. So um, the goal is to run Miami out of the building, right? And I think that's what they try to do every week. They want to wear guys down. That's what I think it makes this team a lot of fun for people up here uh, because it's very gritty. It's very. Right, right, right. You know. Well, uh, Yeah. No, and one of the benefits I think that you guys are going to have is uh, we have Franco Negri, who's our our left wing back, right? He's out of the game because he just got a red card uh, two games ago. And so, yeah, well, last week, but I'm I'm going to say two games ago because I got to count the game that we had the Boar Fest, right? All right. Um, you know, he's going to be out of the game, so that's going to be a benefit for you guys because he's a very aggressive and his motors like running all the time. So as far as like, you know, turning it around on us um, on counterattacks, I think that it's going to be a pretty big benefit to have him off the field. Do you think that you see that as a strength or do you think that you have other things that are more strengths for the Revs? You know, I'd be lying. I haven't watched too much of Miami, but what I will say is that if the Revs are able to just counter the entire night and just let Carlos Cook, you know, at the top of the – the 18 because that's where you find is these little windows where guys will be cutting in and you know they just buried in the back of the net could be a long night i i think i think that's you want to be able to beat the revs in the middle of the field if you can break that midfield down like of of polster and blessing and you can catch guys like feral out of position then you have a good chance of getting in behind, I think. that's And that's where the Revs yeah. have gotten caught in the past. But again, that's where they've also gotten better this year. Capitalized, yep. Because, you know, now you have Latif Blessing next to Matt Polster to sort of plug in those holes, which is what you didn't have last year uh, to a certain extent. So 
I think that's how if Miami's going to score this weekend, that's how they're going to do it. Yeah, and Jay LaRosa chimes in here without Negri. Maybe Pizarro comes back in, which we haven't seen much of him in the last couple games. Pizarro has been ruled out for the next month, so he won't be seeing Pizarro this, this week. Oh, well, I guess we yeah. won't be seeing him at all. No. <laughs> so no, let's go to no. the let's go to the other side of the scale here, then uh, Tommy two time. So we talked a little bit about the strengths, and let's cover a little bit of the weaknesses, right? I know you mentioned that the weakness may be the top, the striker position, but uh, in, in your own words, I guess, if that's not it, what what could be the weakness for the Revs? Uh, I, listen, I think it's the attack. If it, right, Everything else is, you know, really good. I mean, obviously, yeah. you got to figure out how you replace Dylan Barrero now, right? Ima Boateng is a good temporary solution, but you need something more long-term versus, you know, teams this year and i think i think you want to get ema to be that guy that comes off the bench and provides something late in the game again so you have to replace barrero uh and then you know in that same line of thinking another weakness is that you just can't get guys healthy yeah. you know gustavo bows out this weekend versus miami um we haven't seen tommy mack at all this year we haven't seen nacho heel at all this year the brother of carlos heel which I think is a disaster because I, I feel like Carlos politicked his way to get his brother nepotism, on. a little bit of nepotism. I think a little bit of nepotism. I've said that on my show a lot. I think so. That's kind of been a waste. Um, you know, Henry's out it just, and every week it's play the guessing game of who's going to be out week to week. So injuries has been something that if they, I mean, if this team was, I think at full strength, I think there would be more of a, I think you would have won the game against Columbus earlier this year that you ended up tying that yeah. I think Barrero, you know, screwed you over on. You know, it's tough to say, but hey, it is what it is. Does the LAFC game turn out differently if you're a little bit healthier? Uh, I don't know. Um, but hey, you got to play the cards you're dealt with. And then finally, I think the other problem is going back, I think, to, to just to striker, um, is that you don't have a real aerial threat, which has been something that, you know, they didn't have, the, you know, to replace, that they've never, you know, they, yeah. and I don't think they've been a great team in the air anyways. I don't think they've had, I mean, they're, they've been better on the ground than sending balls in the air. And I never, so, but ideally you want your number, not because, you know, the way Brandon and Dewan play, um, you want to be able to have that option to, to cross it in on a header for a guy and, and you can't do that. I think a long-term problem that's not going to really affect anybody this weekend, but I think going forward is that I think the revs don't really have any depth in, you know, their outside back positions. Yeah. So I think that's going to be something people should watch out for. If Dewan Jones ends up getting transferred, um, you know, the U S men's national team product, I think is going to end up somewhere uh, either in Germany or Belgium at some point, just it seems like the reporting is all pointing in that direction. And who knows? I think, uh, if you know, God forbid, Brandon By goes down with an injury, I don't know who they're going to bring in as right back. To be honest, oh my God, you guys are going to have janitors playing the left and right backs at this point. <laughs> you know, they, there's not a there's not a tremendous amount of depth there. Depth there. So, right. and, oh, uh, and, and, I just want to say something real quick, Danny. Yes, the Bandito chimes in. Join the club. He's trying to tell you, Tommy, to join the club. There's a lot of 
banana republic nepotism going on in Inter Miami. Just wanted to bring this up to tell you, don't worry about what this guy Esteban Dito is saying. Like I said, uh, <laughs> you guys are like having Neville Esteban, and Beckham's kids hanging around the, the club. <laughs> well, Beckham's, Beckham's kid isn't here anymore. Oh, he's not well, there anymore? Okay. No, no, he's, no play, he's, he's playing. He's over in England. Um, but Harry but Neville is you. getting playing time. But he, Harry Neville's kind of a baller, right? Harry like, Neville's going to play this Saturday. He's going to yeah, start. Like, if he doesn't have Neville on the back of his jersey, fans would be like, this guy 100%. is pretty good. But because 100%. he's a Neville face, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh, my God, Neville. And then, of course, Esteban Dito's one of those guys that wants to fire the coach every five minutes. So, I mean, come on, Esteban. Do better. All right. So, um, I was here looking at your schedule. Uh, I want to see what kind of competition you guys would beat. You guys beat Charlotte, which sucks. You beat Houston's okay. Got your ass kicked by LAFC. Nashville, that was a good win. You beat Nashville 1-0. Then you beat DC. They suck. NYCFC, you drew. Montreal, you kicked their ass. They suck. Columbus, you drew. Sporting KC, fucking sucks. You beat them. Uh, You beat Hartford Atlantic in the U.S. Open Cup. Cincinnati, good team. You drew. You beat Toronto. They suck. And then you lost your USL game last week. I'm feeling pretty good after watching and looking at that. I don't think you guys are as impressive as I thought. <laughs> I, I would say you're on to something. Because <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Not that they suck. There is something to be said about the way the schedule has played out so far this year. Mm-hmm. Up until last this past weekend, I didn't think that the Revs have had a convincing win all year. You know, to be a first place team and to be sitting in the position that they were when you saw how they did against, I think, you know, the top half of the conference in the East, kind of some mediocre performances. I and, thought they should and seven out of the first 11 games were home games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, and they did well at home. But when you saw when they, when they, I thought Nashville was a decent win. Yes. That, Probably could have been better. I think that's the one I saw. And, huh? and with, you know, I think long term, you'll, you, everybody's going to look at that. Yeah, it's a good win. But when you watch that game, Bruce and Bruce talked about it after the Nashville game about how they played too negative in the final 20 minutes. So in a game that you largely dominated for about 70 minutes, you kind of took your foot off the pedal in the final 20 and you let Nashville think that they could steal a point on the road. Then you go to the New York City FC game where you're clearly the better team. You let New York City FC get a late goal and they walk out of there with a point thinking that they're all high and mighty. And I think we've seen the last couple of weeks, don't put money on New York City FC, period. And then, and then... Um, Columbus, I thought was a moment where they, cause I, I, everybody agreed that was going to be a tough game out there and you are able to get the early advantage on the crew, but then you give the game away because you get a stupid red card with Barrera. So I thought that, you know, that was a tie again, another frustrating result, uh, up until this past weekend, I, I didn't think they had a convincing win so far this year. So I think now that they've got that under their belt, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how you carry that momentum into this weekend. 
against Inter, which, you know, Toronto was coming off a win against New York City FC. So they thought that they were getting their feet under them again. And then the Reds, Reds brought them back down to earth. You know, in an ideal world, that's what you want to do this weekend if you're in New England. You got this team that's kind of riding this little high right now because you're on a four-game win streak. But then here comes big bad Bruce the miserable old curmudgeon that's going to bring you back to reality and show you how it's done in MLS and how this is, you know, a little bit different. So we're celebrating four wins in a row because we have to, because usually we wouldn't consider those open cups necessarily be be talking proudly about them, right? They're a win regardless. They're a win. But like, we're like every time you hear that we're on a four game winning streak, we're on a four game winning streak. And it's because, that was preceded by a six-game losing streak. So, and 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 to, to be honest, like you know, you got to take account into those U.S. Open Cup games because you know the Rams played last night. They just lost to Pittsburgh, uh, and the reason why I'm saying that you don't start Brioni this weekend is because he had a horrible, a horrid. Can I say shit? Shit performance yeah, sure. against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. So it's like, you know. When you when you can't do it against a USL club, how can I expect you to do it against a team like MLS. Miami? Yeah. That you know, and it's on the road. And it's just yeah, no. So hey, all these games matter, every single one of them. All right. So uh, reason we should be optimistic that we're going to kick the overrated New England Revolution's ass. Uh reason be optimistic. Right, you're a betting man. So why would you put money on Miami this weekend? And you and we're we're talking about. I mean, there's a I don't lot know, of factors. I don't know if I have g- money on Miami this weekend. I don't know if you guys do have much to be optimistic about anything this weekend. You, you guys know? suck. <laughs> That's what we have to be optimistic about. You guys I, are afraid. I, Maybe I, that the Heat are going to play this weekend in Miami. Yeah, I think that's what we got going for you. I think I, this is a very <laughs> good. The Panthers also. Right the Panthers now. also. That, and and the Panthers. And you, you're such a from Brooklyn. You turned your back on New York. No, no, I support local teams. I'm still a Ranger fan. I'm still a Nets fan, but I like to stick it to. I'm a Nets fan wearing a Miami Heat jersey. <laughs> hey, I got to. I rock it. Uh, listen, I just I think the Revs are the better team on paper right now. So I think if you're going to be optimistic about anything, hey, Joseph Martinez scored this past weekend versus Atlanta. So uh, here's I'll give you something. Along that same line, the Revs give up a lot of shots. As nice, a, as good as a shot stopper, uh, Georgie Petrovich is. Um, the 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 Revs give up a lot of shots throughout the course of ninety minutes. So if you can start to open up the shooting gallery a little bit, you know, between Campania and um, and Joseph, you could possibly, you know. You, you probably, I could see it. Uh, uh, you know, the Revs giving up one or two goals. It's not out of the realm of possibility. You, you know, guys give up the fourth shutouts. most sh- shot attempts against. You guys have given up the fourth most. Yeah. So there you go. That that that's it right there. I think it's we've good given up that. the second most. <laughs> I, still, I, it's it has to be the top five because you know right. as, as good as the Revs are offensively right now, they also you know give up a lot on. But that's the way they play because they play such a high pressing game. That's where guys get in in behind a lot. But that's the thing that's really nice is that you didn't see that this past weekend versus Toronto. So it's if you can keep that same system, you know, going into this weekend, uh, it should be it it, it should be. It should be a good night for the Revs, but the, but the problem is, is that you know, can they find that you know same similar performance? 
and Danny, before you move on to the next to the next part, uh, I want to yeah. I want to mention something. I think that a good test for New England is going to be these next six oh, absolutely. games, absolutely, because you have you guys have four out of the next six away. Like yeah, that's really that, going to be a hell of a test. And I think I think that's that's where you learn a lot about how how good this this refs team is. If they come out, if they come out of this stretcher, because it goes inner Philadelphia, you're home against uh, Chicago, and then you're on the road versus Atlanta, the New York City FC. Yeah, you know if you can pull points in every single one of these. Upcoming road games playing here. in a baseball field. Oh yeah, good luck playing Ballpark. in that Sandlot. That's Yankee Jeez. Stadium. You know, you're not gonna get any points out of there. <laughs> Bruce will be happy with one, and I think a lot of people that go in the Yankee Stadium will be happy. Yeah, man, that's the biggest home field advantage I've ever seen in this league. But that also, you know, that also might help the refs too. Well, when you know, just because of the style that they play, just a, a more narrow way with just how athletic and fast Dewan and Brandon are, they can really kind of find a few fast break opportunities if you get guys in behind. Um, but I think, you know, to your point about these, you know, next several road games between inner Philadelphia uh, and Atlanta, you know, coming out with seven to nine points, that's going to really, you know, that's, that to me is the barometer of a really good team. I think um, it could all go really bad. You know, these next couple of games, it depends on guys got to be healthy. Guys have to stay healthier. It's starting to get a little fragile. Um, your depth has been good at times, but I think it also, it's kind of, you know, you've been, it's been questionable too. So, uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword this year. It's been good and good and bad. All right. So prediction time. Okay. We'll start with, with, uh, Tommy two times. What you, what do you, what's your prediction? I'm going... You're going. Let me go back to you. Hold on. Let me go back to. Well, go... but well, while while you're thinking about that, I want to yes. mention something here, right? So Matthew Matthew's been on fire since he got into the chat here, <laughs> and he's mentioning uh, if we could just trade Pizarro uh, and you give us uh, Carlos Gill, and he says Pizarro is a Mexican Messi. He swears it. Okay, he swears it. So I think that that is solid. Uh, by Matthew. I think that's he how also... Bruce. That's that's how Bruce goes off of negotiations. They hear from the agent. <laughs> yeah, he's just like Messi. I swear. And then the <laughs> signing happens, and that's how we ended up with Giacomo Rioni. And um, then we got. Yeah, we, I can't emphasize we, enough how much I do not like this Giacomo Rioni signing. Ooh. And then he's he also mentions about the Astro Turf being the Astro Turf being horrendous, and he'll never forget how Gillette Stadium bodied Campana for three to four months. So and 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 Danny, we gotta we gotta see New England June tenth. I know we see him less than a month later. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. that's fun times, Matthew. Prepare everybody's legs for that. <laughs> so so what's the prediction here, Tommy? Two time. I want to know what you think the score is gonna be. How can people make their money off of your prediction? Let's go. I would say, well, first off, I would say both teams are probably gonna score in this game. Kind of have it. Kind of has the feeling that Campania and Joseph should do better than what Bernadeski and just that whole. It was a whole mess last week for Toronto. So I think it's going to be a lot. I think it's going. I think this thing ends up three to one. Three to one. Final answer. 
Ooh. Three to one final answer, New England. Wow, that's bold as hell. We put they put two goals away last week versus Toronto yeah. on the road. So, yeah, yeah. I that sounds like it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a road win. Um, but I definitely see. I I, I think it's going to be hard for the refs to keep back to back week shutouts on the road. It'd be really impressive if they do. Nice. I really do think this team is with their first choice lineup as of right now, you know, they're clicking so much that I think it's, I, I think it's going to be, I think things are really good right now. I probably just jinxed that. So you can clip this. I sure. Hope so. <laughs> um, at the end of the game on Saturday and then repost it and then make sure you use the hashtag because there's nothing more that the hashtag loves than dunking, trying to dunk on me. So <laughs> this one, I'll, well, I, the, kind of feel, I will feel bad about this one. Cause it has been really enjoyable, not watching a crappy team, which is what we had to endure all last year. Well, what do you think, well, Chris? Well, well, as the bandito is thinking along the same lines, three to one with my, with an own goal. I mean, Esteban, what are we doing here? Like you have no belief against soccer players scoring a goal at home. So the only goal we're going to get is is an own goal. I guess he's just seeing what happened yesterday and just assuming the same thing is going to happen uh, this Saturday, which is wild. Uh, I think that this game coming up is probably going to be like 2-1 for Miami. I'd like to go 2-2, but I feel like the four-game winning streak just makes people feel better. Um so that that's my prediction. Don't put the house on it though, because I'm not that confident in it, guys. Uh, Danny, what do you what do you think? What do you think? We've played five home games. Uh, I mean, I guess you want if you want to include yesterday's game in that Open Cup, six home games this season. We've given up Jeez, five. You goals really don't that... want to count the. You don't want to count those Open Cup games. Like, what's wrong? Not with not, you? not for statistics because you're playing against the USL side. But if, like I said, if you want to count that that six home games. We've allowed five goals in those six home games, and we gave up three against Chicago. So outside of that, we've been pretty solid defensively at home. We got a, a, we're playing the whole crowd the box, play the counter. I don't know how you're gonna break break that up. I, I really don't know how you're gonna score on that. I think we can get one with Campana and Joseph hopefully starting. And now that I know that New England's overrated from what I just saw, <laughs> I I really do think that we can go ahead and. At home, we could pull off a one-zero win. So I'm predicting one-zero win. Oh, that's that. I, I can't. I can't see the Revs losing one nothing on the road. That I can't see. And I, you know what? That's the part that I'm gonna clip. I'm gonna clip <laughs> that part where you can't see it, and I'm gonna put in captions. Can you see it now? One-zero. Can you see so, me? So yes. one-zero. Uh, yeah, I, I think one-zero. And I, because once we get that first goal, I know what we're gonna do. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna sub in McVeigh. We're gonna just crowd that Play box. Full blown and, defense. And good luck finding any passing lanes. Unless you hit a beautiful shot from outside the box, you're not scoring. So and the Revs, hey, the Revs take a lot of shots outside the box. They're a pretty good long distance shooting team. Um, so you know, don't think that's like, oh yeah, because the Revs have to shoot it out, you know, outside 20 yards outside the box. It's you guys lead the league and goals outside the box. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, four. So now that we covered, yeah. <laughs> no, well, what's gonna happen is that you guys are gonna have the possession. We're gonna let you have the possession. We're playing the <laughs> counterattack. 
all game long. We're playing the counter. So you guys are going to win the, the possession game all day. Which yeah, is- I don't think – but you can't you can't let New England dictate the t- tempo from the beginning because if they do do that, then you're not – you're not going to – yeah, that's I think that's kind of what's been working for New England this year. It, it worked against uh, Nashville certainly because they came out in the first 15 to 20 minutes. Nashville had no answer uh, for what the Revs were doing offensively, being able to move the ball around so effectively – uh, creating lanes, you know, keeping the pressure high, not allowing Nashville to really connect on any passes. So, you know, if they if they can start out games like that, you know, and the Revs are winning the possession battle. Don't don't get excited. <laughs> oh, we're, look, we're gonna let you get the possession. That's just what we do now. Like we were when we were on that six game losing streak. Hey, if they lose, that's good for me. So you keep on saying you like. <laughs> That's good for my business. You know what I do? <laughs> yes, I get you. I get you. I know. I know how that business works. It's easy to talk about misery. Um, the Revs, if they have possession, that's what we want. Because when Inter Miami was on that six-game losing streak, we were winning possession sixty to seventy percent of the of the possession during that six-game losing streak. Then they it changed brutal. it up. They're like, we don't have the players for that because we Pretty can't sure. finish in that final third. So we decided to just go. We're just going to play that counterattack. So we're just defending for our lives and catch you on the counter. And, and all we need is one. And once we get one, we buckle down on defense and kind of just let you pass the ball around within yourselves. Sure. You just have to pretty much, uh, you know, the athleticism needs to be better than, you know, what you get from Dewan Jones and Brandon Byron on any given week. I think, you know, those guys are just ridiculously quick. Uh, they they cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. And if you they can't play on the left, right? Uh, Dewan on the left, Brandon on the right. I think okay. you're outside. The, oh, you know, wait, you're, bye. You're talking about Brandon Bye. Brandon Bye. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. those two guys. You know, if, if they're having a bad night, okay, then I think you have you have something there if you're Miami. But if Brandon and Dewan are on, um, they're probably the most effective two way players in the league. You know, amongst you know the best. So right, right, right. All right. Well, uh, to finish up, we usually like to ask you guys about. We like to ask opposing team podcasters about the game day experience. Okay. What's it like? Is it like a tailgating experience? Is it like bars and, and stuff around the stadium? Do you guys have any rituals before you guys go into the stadium when you're in the stadium? I mean, there's Sam Adams everywhere, right? <sighs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably get killed for this, and I really don't care. But it's kind of soulless. Oh, okay. It's not. It's, it's New England. <laughs> I mean, you have the Riders and the Rebellion, which have been around since the inception of this thing. But I don't think the supporter culture is at where it is with Miami. I don't think it's there. LAFC. LAFC. Uh, I mean, you can make fun of Yankee Stadium all you want, but New York City FC has a great support group, it seems they like. Do. Uh, you know, the Red Bulls, it, as fractured it might seem when on game day, those people show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it, I think, just has to do with the fact that, you know, this this isn't the best soccer market at times. And I just think I can see that. you get a lot of casual people. I think, you know, the, the diehards, all the diehards for the most part either live on Twitter or Reddit, you know, and that's not a big percentage of people. 
I think you get a lot of people that come check it out and they're like, oh my God, I love watching the refs. But how many times do they come back? Right, right, right. That's kind of the, but now granted, attendance numbers have been a lot better in the Bruce Arena era. You have, uh, I think, a much more engaged and smarter fan base than you did 10 years ago. Uh, But in terms of what a game day ritual looks like, I mean, you could tailgate, but I mean, people aren't marching into the match together. Um, There isn't a bar at Foxborough that everybody gathers up at and goes to beforehand. Um, It's just a very dry experience as dry as it gets when it comes to the support. And I listen, it's not a slam on the, on, on, on the supporters culture. No, it's just what it's it just, is. It's, 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 it's an honest observation for somebody that didn't grow up a revs fan. Like I'm here because I cover sports and I've been covering uh, people, you know, in the new England area sports wise, you know, since I've been in college and I never left here, you know, I'm born and raised in New York, like you guys. Uh, I just really like the New England area and the Boston area a lot. And I enjoyed, and I've always enjoyed working alongside and covering the crafts uh, and covering whether it be the Patriots or the, the Revs. I've always, it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, so I've stayed here, but as, you know, strictly an observer uh, and somebody that, you know, has never been a fan of the team. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of growth that needs to still happen. Um, you know, some people will say it's because the Revs don't have a stadium uh, in or around downtown Boston, but I don't think that matters. I think you have like this past, this last home game that they had, they put 30,000 in there, people, you know, with no problem. So, you know, you, and if you had a better, uh, rail system here in new England, uh, you could get people down from Boston or up from Providence a lot easier. But the problem is that we don't have a train system, uh, that's reliable here. Uh, that A, will, you know, take you to a revs match on game day and B, uh, you know, the crafts have to come out of pocket to get, you know, the trains up from Boston and uh, down from Providence. So it's, you know, that's another, you know, thing that if there's access to that, you know, I think it would be reflected in the overall attendance numbers. But the problem is, is that it's not. So, you know, you sort of stuck with what you got and it's not a lot. And I, again, people are going to think I'm slamming, you know, no, no, but I think you know, you we, we appreciate well, your honesty. I, I think that the, the point you made about the transportation it does make a difference because I was actually looking into going to uh, a New England game, you know, against Inter over there. And when I looked into it, I noticed that there wasn't much public transportation to be offered to get there. I mean, you got an Uber and you're not even in like in town, right? Boxborough. It was. Yeah, like it, it looked brutal, right? Because, you know, as a tourist, I'm going to try to go to Boston, right? But to get over to, to New England to watch the game, it's it's not uh, it's not a stone's throw from where you'll be at. No, if, you wanna, if you're staying in Boston and you want to get to Foxborough, uh, <laughs> if you want to get if you want to get to Foxborough from Boston, it's a 30 minute drive, uh, depending on a good day. So that's probably a. 40 to $60 Uber ride right there. Yeah. It's brutal. So it's like, eh, again, and, and you're missing it. So that hurts you. I think if you had the train system, it helps. So yeah. there's, there's when you're at a revs game now, it's definitely great to be in there, but everything that builds up around it just doesn't exist to the extent yeah. that it does with an LAFC with that. It does with the Seattle, with an Atlanta, 
Like I think, like to an extent, like people should be jealous. Like we should have that up here. Nashville, Nashville, like like the Revs are an original club, and you would think that that tradition would be reflected uh, throughout the supporters groups, and it's just not. And it's just there's unfortunately when you try to have these honest conversations with supporters groups, it's very defensive. It's very. It's it's very territorial, and nobody is willing to really to to budge. Uh, like a lot of people are just afraid of change, and it's just it's it's kind of so it kind of just takes away from the experience. Again, do they sing "Sweet Caroline" during halftime? Oh God, no! Thank God. Um, <laughs> back in the day, they used to play "Africa" by Toto, which was really random. Ooh, no that's sense. That's a classic. But uh, it does make absolutely no sense. I, I thought it was an overrated song too. I was never a fan of it. I was never. I thought it was always the most ridiculous thing. All of a sudden, everybody. And, but whatever. I think you know. And I want to little things catch on. Uh, let me tell you a fun fact about uh, about Africa Toto. Uh, and and don't ask me how I know this fact either. Okay, there well, is. How do a we guy, verify that? She, okay, uh-huh. you, you need to go check it. If you go on YouTube and you look up Africa Toto, you'll see that there's a guy that's been posting that he sees that video every day for like the past 17 years, every single day. So it's a so video just, of him watching Africa? No, no. It's it's Toto Africa, the main video, right? The Vivo video. And he just goes in there and he comments every day. Oh, watching Africa Toto. The, the same guy comments day. 17 years. And people are like, <laughs> yes. And there's people that are literally nervous if he misses a day. Yes. <laughs> I swear to God. The commitment. Fun fact. All right, well, now that you just throw random things out there, uh, my my brother, his wife, and my parents were all just in England. And they came back, and I was talking to them today. Uh, this is off topic. I'm sorry. And if you're listening to audio, I apologize. I'm going to put up something on the visual for you guys on YouTube. So if you want to check out what I'm about to put up there, check it out on YouTube. They told me about these public urinals that exist in London. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk to somebody that works in the New England area. And I wonder if they've ever seen something like this. So I've never seen anything like this. Maybe some people in the chat might might enlighten me. These are what public restrooms in New England look like in London. Oh, I was about to say, yeah, I've never seen these before in my life. <laughs> what Jeez. in the F is this? And if you don't think that people use them, there you go. What <laughs> the F? This is what London is producing. Now, is this something that we see in New England or is that just old England? No, people just piss on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's more respectable, a little more private. That just, you're like right in the middle. And again, sorry for everybody on audio. You'd have to get on to see. I, I couldn't believe it when I was told this. And these aren't pictures that my family took. They told me about it, and then I Googled it. So if you want to Google it instead of watching it on YouTube, you can go ahead and Google uh, public urinals in London, and that pops up. Uh, So, And Matthew in the comments said, I've used one of those. Oh, well, Matthew, I okay. Where? Where? Was it in London, though? Because I just don't, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I mean, it looks like it's pretty efficient in terms of space, right? It, well, it's efficient. It's, as it's far, the, like, it looks like the size of a porta potty. 
It looks like the size of a porta potty. So you're basically fitting four porta potties into one space. eh. It's impossible. It's impossible to keep that private, though. At some point, you show. I'm sorry. Well, there's a reason you show. I think you're showing the entire time. Yeah, yeah, you are. It all depends on how far in you go in, right? Because they had a little. Yeah, but would you want to even go in that far? Because you don't know what VD. Definitely not. Definitely not. Look, Matthew said he was in North London, so it is. It's it's a London thing, but the thing that is that that is something that was not brought over to the to the new world. Okay, well, I I just thought it was interesting, and I wanted to see what what you thought. Okay, no, no. God. <laughs> All right. I mean, uh, things are weird up here. Don't get me wrong. It is ass backwards most times up here. Don't <laughs> trust me. Uh, th- does the sun come out over there? Because I know it doesn't come out over there in England. It, you know what? It has been coming out more and it's been getting warmer a lot earlier. And if that makes me pro climate change, then I guess I'm pro climate change because it has been fantastic to have 75 degrees in like April some days and like 60 degrees in January. So the sun has come out more often. Um, and some people do credit that to climate change. And if that makes me pro climate change, then so be it. It's better for my health. I just oh, wanted to hey. throw that up there for you. Oh, thank you for that update, Matthew. Son yes. of a bitch. All right. <laughs> well, uh, I, I've got nothing else. I wanted to thank you, Tommy. Wait, I got much something for, for you guys. Oh, go for it. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Yes, please. Um, what do you think about the messy thing? Because oh. I know this This is – so this is your white elephant. Our white <laughs> elephant is the stadium that I blame your owner, Jorge Moss, for giving us all this hope that we were going to actually see a soccer stadium in Boston because he opened his big mouth to get his stadium in Miami. So you still white have elephant. it, but yeah. So your white elephant is going to be this um, this messy, this messy thing. So on my show today with Michelle Kaufman, we talked about how, you know, obviously this is, you know, not just going to be a inner Miami thing, but uh, an MLS, an Apple joint project. Because Apple is going to want it for the subscribers. You're going to pay for Messi to score on you. I, listen, I think that would be fantastic. If, if Messi's coming up here and – first off, he wouldn't do it at Gillette Stadium because he's not going to play on turf. He's just going to do exactly what Thierry Henry did. But uh, I think I'm more confident now that Messi will come to MLS than not confident. And does it happen this year? Maybe it's yet to be seen. But I think Inter-Miami and, and the league and Apple is – and I think Apple is desperate to a point where they want to get more subscribers to be able to lure in – an NBA one day or get the MLB full time or because all these TV contracts are coming up with all these different sports leagues and you're not going to have regional sports networks anymore. And Apple, I think, is using MLS to kind of sell these other sports leagues. Hey, look what we could do for you. And I think Apple's done an amazing job in presenting the product. So my thing is, is that they are wanting more subscribers and the only way to get more eyeballs on the league is to bring that freaking guy in from France. And I think they're going to throw everything at him. Um, My other prediction is that inner Miami won't be playing in their current stadium. Now, Uh, if Messi does come here, I do think they're going to go to hard rock. They're going to go to hard rock. That's exactly what we talked about on my show today. I've been saying that for a couple of months because we don't have a stadium yet. And we need to, because they'll, if they don't fill well, it up, gonna, it'll get it, close. It, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just going to outgrow your stadium like that. Right. What is it? DP, uh, DPK Pink Stadium? Drive, drive Pink. Drive Pink Stadium. Yeah. 
you, you guys are going to outgrow that thing immediately. So a couple things about Messi. One, the fan base is doesn't even like talking about it anymore because one, I'm we done. sacrificed our season for it because we let Pozuelo, our number ten, the most important player on our team last year, go in hopes of keeping oh, that DP spot open for Messi. Two, if he comes, it better be this year because I don't want to sacrifice another season waiting for him. And, and three, he's he's leaving France. He's, it's already like he's not going back to PSG. Busquets announced that he's not going back to Barcelona next year, and everybody's saying that it's like a dual package. So unless they go to Saudi Arabia, I I, I don't know where else it would be because if Messi was going to Barcelona, Busquets wouldn't be leaving. So I think it's either Inter Miami or Saudi Arabia, and I just don't see Saudi Arabia. So he better be coming this summer. Yeah, well, I don't see look- Saudi Arabia either. I talk, you know, my my co-host Mike De Silva brought this up and you know he thinks that Messi's had conversations you know that we're obviously just all speculating but he thinks Messi's talked to Ronaldo and I don't think because he doesn't think Ronaldo's enjoyed his time out at Saudi Arabia either mm-hmm. probably realized this is not the lifestyle for them no matter how much money the Saudis are willing to give them um and the better lifestyle for him is America like yeah he'll go back to Barcelona he'll be the hero but he's already kind of done that you know why don't you Get a half a billion dollars because you're going to end up getting part ownership of an MLS team anyway. So that's all money that's going to be factored in. Um, and then become the king of Miami and have uh, Buenos Aires, Miami. Why not? Well, well, we, we have the Argentina training facility being built out here. So, and look, and, and even look better. At the I comments. didn't know that. Look at these comments back to back. I mean, this this just shows you sort of the emotions going through the fan base. Lucas chimes in, says Messi's not coming. People are delusional. And then we have Matthew chiming in, Messi is coming, I swear. I mean, you're right about the big play being with Apple. And listen, Danny, you keep mentioning our team's willing to pay for his you know, contract. You have to understand that one game of Messi playing in your park is going to just throw tons of money towards the. We were having this debate with with Tommy last year from the from Atlanta of scarves and spikes. If you guys haven't checked, yeah, last uh, uh, podcast, yeah, yeah, he was really upset at the thought of Atlanta's owner Arthur Blank or whatever his name is paying for a blank part of check. Messi's contract. And I was trying to tell him, you do that because Messi coming over here and growing, growing uh the 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 league in general. Gives Arthur Blank a lot more money. His team will be valued even higher. The league is valued higher. And you know who yeah. really wants that? Apple wants that more than anybody because Apple got in this deal hoping MLS will grow. So Apple, MLS, and all the MLS owners want that even more than Inter Miami fans do because this is about the business behind Messi, not about us winning a championship as much as we want that. Steve Munoz, sorry, buddy. We got on an hour earlier, so you're on right at the very end. And and Hazel Lopez wanted me to uh, wanted me to bring a comment that was uh, brought up by by Matthew. What's your thoughts on the logo? Just real quickly, on the new one or the old one? Who's Matthew? Uh, Matthew Matthew Hanau. Yeah. That oh, guy. oh, bro, guy, guy, guy. I was sorry. I was like, <laughs> uh, <sighs> I like the new one. I, I think the new one's a lot better. It's a lot more professional. You know, crayon flag is MLS 1.0. It's very 90s. Again, I'm not a fan. I'm uh, somebody that just comes up here and enjoys, you know, covering the team. Yeah. I think this is, you know, nee. 
I, I think I think the or or the crayon flag drama because a lot of people were upset when the revs went from crayon flag to uh, to to this logo now, which is uh, originally known as the Ghostbusters logo. Um, <laughs> people were pretty upset about it because the nostalgia effect. But I, I think it's I think it's better this way. It's much better. It looks cleaner. It's going to look better on you know the new stadium whenever that thing gets built. If it ever gets built, who the hell knows? And, I, would, uh, I would. I think most people would tell you if they wanted a stadium or an MLS championship first. Most people tell you that they would take the championship before the stadium. And guess what? This is a winning market. That's all that people care about. You would pack Gillette Stadium out if you were consistently winning every week, and you had a bigger name here. And I think that kind of hamstrings you a little bit. Plus the public transportation. Don't sleep on Gillette. That's all I'm saying. You know, I think a lot of people do because it's Gillette, but. I think people Sorry, people do it for the Patriots, right? You, you come down for the Patriots, you know, to, to, to not do it for the Revs is kind of, you know, excuse making because people yeah. will show up for a win around here because there are a lot of bad. New England is known for anything. It's for having good bandwagon fans. Yes. <laughs> they're, and they're uh, all Tommy, at the garden. Tommy, where, uh, where can everybody find you? So New England Soccer Weekly airs every Friday on our YouTube page, New England Soccer Weekly. You can subscribe there. That's when the show drops. We're eventually going to go live uh, from YouTube. But uh, for now, you can uh, check what that's when the podcast drops. I'm also on the radio. The podcast airs on the radio show. So that's every Saturday from 7 to 8 a.m. on 790 The Score in Providence. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TommyQuinlan underscore IV. I didn't put my Twitter up there because I – very stupid of me. Don't worry, um, I'll put it up on the Twitter when I when I tell you. Gracias. Uh, so I uh, so you can find us there, and um, we're going to actually be doing a couple of live shows next week. So just stay tuned to the Twitter page. And if you like the chaos of an MLS fan base, then there is no more chaotic fan base that I implore you to check out than that one of the New England Revolution by using the hashtag AnyRevs. Well, let me tell you something. We get pretty bad, especially with that whole six-game losing streak. It, it was it was rough. It was rough. Chris, anything else for the people? No, that's it. It's time to go watch this Knicks whoop the Heat ass, which are currently <laughs> whooping that ass 54 to 73. And so. for those of you that joined us just now at 9 o'clock, that's when we usually come on. We went on an hour earlier, but feel free to go back. And watch it from the start. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, like will, I will own this one. I uh, I asked these guys because I do morning radio up here in Providence uh, on a different radio station. Uh, I was like, hey, I didn't realize you guys were live, though. So I do feel oh, bad. I do want to say no, thank no. you for being so accommodating to me. Of course. Of course. We appreciate you taking the time. Ass. No, we appreciate you taking the and, time and, to join us. And, and I'll tell you this much. Lucas is pushing for a question, which I'm going to ask on Twitter. And you have to give a response. Nah, give it to him right now. Real Just give it real, to him right now, real quick. Yeah, real quick. I'm on there. You guys are good. All right, let's do it. There's a tradition that's been happening. I've been trying to shut it down, but uh, there's a lot of people that like this. So let's just go for it right here. Yes! You got to pick an option. You got to pick a steak. You got to pick a toast. Let's see if you're two and five. Ooh, right out the Ooh, box. Five. Five. Right out of the box. That was two and five. That's easy. Two and five. I, so here's the thing. I am the steak king of uh, the hashtag and of probably Twitter. I eat more steak than anybody. So I know what I like. I know how to prepare a good steak. Um, some people, if you when you follow if it's me, a two, it looks like you don't know how to finish it. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I like flavor. I don't like eating dry meat. Well, yeah, uh, you're the crazy. Three, the three, three is the way to go, though. You no, get some flavor, not. but you don't get salmonella. No, like, not. like have a happy medium. This guy. It Benny depends on how listen, He's I, a baby. I like. I like. It depends on. Uh, yeah, I, between, between yeah, between those two, I, I like mine a little bit medium rare. Okay, some people like there's a little bit medium. I, I want to see a little bit of blood. I don't mind a little bit of blood. It's all good. It's 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 healthy. You're a savage. Point. You're a savage. How is it healthy? What the hell? I don't know, but it is. <laughs> um, well, at least well, at least you didn't say six on the toast like uh, Italy Jet did, which he's yeah, never we, gonna live that down. I, I mean, I, I I like my toast a little bit more burnt because it's easier for the butter to melt. Like I'm I, with you. I, I I don't want I don't want to be eating you know. But I mean, look at rotten. number six. Let's be real. Let's look at number six. Yeah, that <laughs> I would do. But at number five, number five is a little toasty. I like, you get toasty, toasty. You gotta get toasty. You know, I, like I, I feel you. I feel you. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody in the chat from listening all the way to the end. For those of you that did join us, if you didn't, like I said, you can go back on YouTube and watch from the beginning. Tommy, we really take, appreciate you taking the time to join us since you have to wake up early tomorrow. Chris, I hate you. And we'll join you guys on Monday when we uh, go ahead and recap a win, 1-0 over the New England Revolution because Mets they are suck. overrated. They do suck. <laughs> I'm not a Mets fan. <laughs> have a good one. Bye, boy.